Hey guys, welcome to this episode of The Last Picture Hose. I'm Emma Beatty. And I'm Lily Stuklin. And we are recording this podcast from both of our respective homes because we are in the midst of coronavirus 2020. We're we're hanging out at home doing this long distance. I wish I had a sound button where every time I hit the button, it was Cardi B saying, coronavirus! I know, I know. I... There, there are some great coronavirus sound effects. Um, but yeah, so basically what we're going to do on the pod today is a little bit different than normal. So we realize that everyone is kind of stuck at home right now. Lily's still in New York City. I'm at home at my parents' place in Michigan. So we are going to focus on movies that you can watch from the comfort of your own couch, which is great. So we're going to take it service or by home service. Office. Yeah, or bed, or home office, or boyfriend's house. I don't care. Like, wherever you are, you can watch these. Um, so, yeah. So, what we're going to do is take it service by service, and we're going to recommend movies for each other, and then talk about them. So, Netflix is first, but I know um, Lily wanted to say a quick thing about about movie theaters before we go too far. <laughs> yes. So, before we get into everyone's favorite streaming picks um, for the next few weeks and foreseeable future that we're recording this pod, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to everybody's local and independently owned movie theaters and even like the chains and the circuits that, you know, we go to all the time. Um, I know everyone's been saying this about pretty much everyone's respective industry, but they really need our help during these times because they're all pretty much shut down right now. So even like my day-to-day work life is pretty much slowed to a halt and it's really scary because... Um, you know, there's a lot of people that work in this industry as, as well as other industries that are shutting down now that have pretty much halted in place. So if you guys really want to show some love to your local independent movie theaters, um, buy a gift card to them like you would as if you were about to buy yourself like a ticket and then know that in a few weeks, months time, you can go catch up on all the latest releases um, and support your local theaters. So just, just wanted to get that out there. Yeah, no, I agree. I think if we want to be able to keep going to the movies for the rest of time, which we do because we love the movies, we should uh, put our put our money where our mouth is, so to speak, during this during this hard time for everybody. My work life has upended, and I've been drinking all day. I mean, Carry Lily's on. ready for this pod. She's two marks in, and she is she's ready to go. Okay, so we're gonna start with a quick question, like we always do. This one is a uh, coronavirus themed. Also, we're not obviously we're not trying to make light of this. This is like super serious and we take this very seriously. However, we are all stuck at home dealing with this universal thing, so we wanted to we wanted to I don't know, talk about it in that way. So, <laughs> laughter is the best medicine. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. We all have peak anxiety, so let's try to have a little less. Um okay, Lily. So, the quick question of the day is what inevitable piece of coronavirus-related pop culture are you looking forward to most? Because we know there's going to be so much content about this in about a year. Yeah, and I, I've seen Twitter has been a blessing and a curse these last few days. Um, mm, mm-hmm. But but one of my favorite things is the people of film Twitter, especially like all the screenwriters and stuff, have been have been going on about about this time. So I think what I'm looking forward to most is probably a rom-com based on the situation because because there's been um yes there's actually been a few um websites going around of people's just kind of like 
few paragraph blips of their stories. A lot of people are like, you know, stuck in an apartment with like a boyfriend that they're about to break up with or like a husband, like, you know, people in relationships are now like stuck together and they're the only two people that they're going to see for the foreseeable future. So um, I'm sure that there will be a good rom-com or two to come out of the situation and make some light of it. Oh, yes. No, I am. Um, I'm, I'm very ready. Okay, so mine, mine would be I've been seeing a lot on Twitter um, in the past, like, 24 hours about all these celebrities that have somehow been able to get tested for coronavirus while regular people who actually have symptoms have not been able to get tested. So I am looking forward to the inevitable documentary about the corruption and, like, how this all went down. And I, I would love for Ava DuVernay to direct it. So Ava, if you're listening, like, I'm speaking this into existence, please please take this one on because there's some there's some sketchy shit going on Lily and I don't like it and I want a documentary about it that's all I'm saying it's gonna be an HBO doc 100% I love it I'm I'm down I'm, I mean I don't love the controversy I don't love like what's happening but I'm I'm ready for people to get exposed it's all <laughs> so people to open this shit up but I'm pretty sure Ava DuVernay has an exclusive Netflix contract so it could be a Netflix doc but either way I would tune in I'm just saying I think she would handle it very well I concur Okay, so Lily, let's get into the first the first recommendation of the evening. I recommended for you um, Atlantics on Netflix, um, directed by Maddie Diop. So I actually watched this movie over the weekend, so it's not like something that's been like permeating in my brain for a very long time, but I really liked it and I wanted Lily to watch it so we could chat about it, which is why we're here. So basically... This film takes place in Senegal, and this girl, young girl, Ada, is in love with this boy named Suleiman. And Suleiman is a construction worker on this big, um, this big tower in their town. And he and his fellow workers demand the wages that they're owed because they haven't been paid in, like, three months. So when they decide that they're not going to get paid because they realize, like, they see the writing on the wall, the writing on the wall, um... They get on a boat and try to travel to Spain for better jobs, and they go missing on the sea. So that happens pretty early in the film, and Ada and the other women in her life are kind of like left to grapple with the consequences of what happened. She is set to be married to another man, so we kind of watch that unravel when she's like clearly in love with somebody else, and... I don't want to give like too much away because we are telling people to go stream it on Netflix. So I don't want to give like spoilers, but basically, the men who the men who um, are lost at sea find a way to come back and like haunt all the people who were in their lives um, beforehand, and it's uh, it's really interesting. The reason why I recommended this for Lily, I I was pretty you know like taken with this film. I thought it was really interesting. It was, I, I knew next to nothing when I started watching it, and it was something completely different than I thought it was going to be. It really, like, combines genres in a way that is so fascinating to me. It wasn't what I expected, and I was, like, very happy about that. Um, and another reason why I wanted Lily to watch it is because, you know, there was, like, some awardsy buzz about this movie last year. It premiered at Cannes, um, and it won the Grand Prix at Cannes, which, like doesn't mean that, that, like, at the end of the day, doesn't actually matter. But, like, obviously, people liked this film. Critics really liked it. And Maddie Diop, the director, was the um, first black female director to compete for the top prize at Cannes. So, 
you know, we're getting some representation in here, you know? We love a we love a female director. Go Maddie Diop. So yeah, that's why I recommended this film to Lily, and I will uh, let her share some of her thoughts. We haven't talked about this movie, like, at all, so I'm excited to chat about it. Yeah, um, since my work life has slowed considerably and time is now no longer a barrier to my day-to-day life, I watched this movie last yes. night. Um, and I think it's funny that we both ended up picking two kind of chewy movies off of Netflix because I feel like of all the streaming services, Netflix has so much kind of like bubblegum content. Like there are so many mm. like rom-coms and funny things. Like we could have just been assholes to each other and both picked like light and airy content. And we both kind of without even like discussing which movie the other was going to assign to each other, like pick two kind of heavy things. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so you assigned me Atlantics and... Yeah, aside from reading the awards buzz for it, um, which I think was, you know, at its peak around end of October into November, I didn't know much about it. I honestly, I I knew that um, Maddie Diop directed it um, and that she had been getting a lot of buzz being, you know, the, as you said, the first black female director to compete for the Grand Prix in Cannes, which was awesome. Um But other than that, I knew pretty much next to nothing. Like, we started watching this movie, my roommates and I, and um, they show this wide shot of uh, Dakar, which is the capital of Senegal, where the movie takes place. Um, And they show the skyline, which is, like, you know, pretty bleak and, you know, low to the ground. And then they have this one very sci-fi-esque tower jutting out of the ground, which is the construction project that Suleiman is working on without getting paid. And we were in- immediately drawn into this um, kind of like like this one like futuristic tower in this city. And, you know, my ignorant white ass honestly like almost didn't even know where Senegal was. I was like, I think this is like in northwest Africa, which I got it. Thank you so much to my elementary school geography teachers. But um, yeah, spent a lot of time kind of just reading up on Senegal and kind of like the culture there after watching this movie. But yeah, I mean, this movie floored me. It totally wasn't what I expected. And to try to do this without giving away too many spoilers, it was very haunting. It was, I don't know, that this whole movie, this movie finds a way to dissect a lot of, like, class and gender issues, um, and especially in Senegal, of all places, where it's, like, immigrants are having a hard time because you've got people trying to cross the ocean, um into Spain and into Europe to find better work and more opportunity, but more often than not, like, so many of those people don't even get to the other side, like, make their destination. Um, And then dealing with um, Ada, the main character, how she is handling her planned marriage to to Omar and how he's obviously a man of much higher wealth and status than she is, and her trying to cope with that while also still having her the love of her life be Solomon and not knowing if he's dead or alive. Um, it, it hit me. And, but honestly, the entire time I was watching it, and I was texting you while I was, I like the twist of the movie that I'm trying to not give away. I, I was texting you like real time as it was happening. Like, wait, is this what I know? Uh, but I think it is important to note um, because it's a theme in the other movie too, that these are two movies that focus on ghosts or the idea of, of spirits and what it... Yeah, or like the afterlife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of focus on death. Maybe we're going to do comedies next time. <laughs> um, 
But yes. yeah, maybe we pick um lighter fare next time. Yeah, but it's so funny because like we didn't even discuss like what we were gonna pick. I was literally just like, oh, pick a movie on Netflix that I haven't seen, and vice versa. And these are the two that we we gave to each other. So I don't know. That might say something. But um, yeah. I mean, I think like yeah, this movie. Again, I didn't know anything about it. I kind of like went into it thinking the way that it starts. I kind of thought it was gonna be a romance. And you know it is in some ways, but also it's yeah. The like, poster, the poster of the movie, which it's was, so spooky. Yeah, the the only exposure I'd had to the movie, I had never even watched the trailer before, was the poster, um, which is kind of like a Euphoria esque photo of Solomon and Ada, the two main characters, like in embrace, and they're like dark. It looks like club lighting. They've got like some neon green lights in their face, and it felt very Euphoria esque to me. Um, so I was kind of like thinking that vibe. I was like, oh yeah, like two young teen lovers and how they're going to work this out. And then like I watched it, I was totally floored by how much like deeper, um, it cut than that, which was really, it was nice to be surprised by something like in that way. Yeah. I think, um, something that really like floored me about this film, like you said, was it obviously a, a big, big topics about, um, about wealth and gender I think like as a woman I hate to be like as a woman but like something that really struck me was um again like trying really hard to avoid spoilers but the way that all the women in this community essentially have to like pick up where these men left off and kind of like clean up not their mess I was gonna say clean up their mess for them it's not that like it's like finish their business and how sometimes like like, as women, the onus is put on us to finish things that were started by the men around us. And I thought that that was really intriguing, especially Ada, you know, in particular, is, like, fighting this battle for this guy that she loves. I don't know. It was just, I was just, like, I the whole thing is very, um, very thought-provoking. I'm not articulating any of this particularly well. But... No, 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 I know, I agree. And I, and I think the movie, I think it opens up a lot of questions and discussions about that. And I don't know if it necessarily lands on it, because I do think it kind of takes the movie too long. I think like you're maybe like two thirds into the film before you kind of get the gist of the, yes. the supernatural aspect of it and like how that plays into mm-hmm. the themes, uh, which I think is a little bit too long, because then like, right after you kind of understand that then it kind of wraps up and you're like oh no no no, wait like I felt like we could have dove into this more um but yeah I do think the discussions that it brings up about kind of it being about the women in the movie even though it's the men are the ones that are kind of like starting things and the women are the ones that are finishing them because it's kind of like this all starts off with Solomon and the other men who are working on this tower not getting paid and they're not getting paid by this wealthy man who is in charge of the construction workers and in charge of building the building and the men are the ones who decide to leave but at the end like it's the women who are dealing with the ramifications of the men leaving or of having to like build the relationships and the marriages and kind of upkeep everything um so kind of like the balance in that regard um it's it focuses so much more on the women um and them being at so much of a loss in their power to like the men in their lives yeah, it's interesting because, like, to me, this movie, like, you know, is very much about, like, the haves and the have-nots of this society, but at the same time, like, almost 
within the the lower class citizens of this area you know like the haves and the have-nots of like their genders right because like even the men who were like fighting for their rages whatever they had you know they were like let's let's leave let's try to find work elsewhere because that's you know like what their prerogative is and their role in society where like the women were left behind to like handle this Mm -hmm. um so I think even within our own social classes we still have social structures at play which I thought was really interesting like a, a whole other level to this and yeah it is it is about the women it's about their struggle and you know I don't know like almost every I'm trying to think of like one one main character who's like one really central character who's a dude I guess you could argue like Omar and then like the the detective Isa the detective yeah but other than that this is really like this is a female story for sure yeah, and then um, also, like, not only um, Maddie being a female director, but also the cinematographer is uh, Claire Mathon, who is the cinematographer in Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which we talked about earlier on the pod. Um, so shout out her. The French women doing great things in film in this past year. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, this is this is really a very, uh, a very striking movie visually, too. I really like the way that they used the footage of the ocean is kind of like a time marker and almost like a mystery builder, kind of like a, a constant reminder of like, what was at stake? I don't know. It was very interesting. I was really intrigued by that. I guess, you know, like this film made me think a lot about privilege and the privilege that we have as Americans. And I, you know, like sitting at my home, my parents' home, like, in the middle of this, like, pandemic, I was thinking about how lucky we are to live here, even though sometimes it feels very dire, especially right now, and how we're lucky to have certain luxuries that we, like, totally take for granted, and I don't know, it just made me think about how, you know, like, not to be all, like, proud to be an American about it, because right now it's kind of hard to be, but I do feel that we are, like, very lucky, and... I don't know, very comfortable, all things considered. Sometimes it's good to be reminded of that, you know? Yeah, no, and this this definitely put things into perspective because, like I said, like, before I had turned this on last night, I was questioning even, like, where Senegal was, which, you know, is totally... It just goes to show how, how comfortable and privileged and sitting on sitting on our comfortable thrones and not and being not privy to anything that's kind of going on in these other lives for people and stuff so yeah I think it was a very good perspective marker and then like for such a beautiful film to come out of this too and um yeah I liked it Atlantics it's on Netflix yeah go watch (laughs) it all right Lily um in your opinion let's get to the sexy stuff what is the sexiest part of Atlantics okay without giving it away the sexiest part of Atlantics is when Ada and Solomon hook up. Because I could say that without you knowing at what point in the movie it takes place, but like when you know and you've seen this movie. So whenever anyone who's listening actually sees this movie, and then I want you to come back and like tell me that I was right because because when you see it you'll know. But I think it's when they hook up and I'm not going to say anything more than that. Okay. Well, hmm, if that's what you're picking. It's 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 hard to like be like, you know what? This part of it's really like 
heavy movie is sexy, but but I think it is a romantic it's a romantic story. So I think that it's very it's a very Romeo and Juliet esque kind of story. So I think you can you can find something sexy in there. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, hmm, what is the sexiest part of this movie? Other than that, I guess if we're not repeating. No, I think I'm going to have to agree with you. I, yeah, I don't think there's anything else that really sticks out to me. But that that one moment, or the, the moment that I know that you're referencing, is definitely uh, definitely intended for that purpose. So, yes, I would agree with you. That is definitely the sexiest part. Watch this movie so that we can talk about it and text you, our friends, or whatever, and not have to pretend with the spoilers. <laughs> Yeah. We want to talk to you about this film. Everyone listening. Okay. Cool. We all have so, time. Everyone has transitioning. time now. Yeah, we all have the time. There's no excuse. No, no one has nice an excuse film. to not watch Atlantic now. Exactly. Like, you know what? It's it's a movie with subtitles, but like we're living in a post-parasite world. You have the time. Go watch this damn movie. That's all I have to say. I like that. Okay. Bong Joon-ho told you you can get over subtitles so you can watch Atlantics. Yes. So you recommended to me a ghost story. Tell me about a ghost story. So a ghost story, much like Atlantics, is a story about ghosts. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Um, But to give a little more context than that, um, a ghost story stars pretty much exclusively Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara. Um, they play a young couple who very early on in the film experience um, a sudden death. So essentially Casey Affleck's character dies very suddenly. Um, but instead of him kind of moving on in life, he ends up attached to their kind of starter home in their marriage as a ghost. And not just any ghost, he literally looks like a childhood drawing of a ghost. Casey Affleck is filmed the entirety of this movie underneath a contraption and a sheet with, with eyes cut out of it um, to charmingly comedic effect. Um, but yes, I actually haven't seen this movie in since it came out in theaters. I remember actually, it's the same night that you, I remember it to this, to this day. Um, I was interning in the city and you were, it was your first year living in New York City. And I pretty much spent the entire summer, if I wasn't at my internship or at my job, at the movies because I kept getting discounted tickets. And I remember there was one night where I back-to-backed The Beguiled and A Ghost Story. So I believe I went and saw A Ghost Story first with my friend Brian, and then you came to the theater right after, and then we went in and we saw The Beguiled by Sofia Coppola. So I had a very good back-to-back movie night. We should do a pod on that. On the big out, oh, for sure. There, there are things to discuss. Um, <laughs> there are many things to discuss. I'd love to rewatch that film, but for another pod. <laughs> yes. Um, but yes, and so I saw Ghost Story a few years ago, and it was directed by David Lowry, who did the Disney live action remake of Pete's Dragon. Um, his first movie was Ain't Them Body Saints, which also starred Casey and Rooney. And he is directing the upcoming A24 movie, The Green Knight, starring uh, Daddy Dev Patel. Um, Daddy Dev! Yes. So this movie, basically, just to give a little bit more background before we start talking about it, um, was a very personal project for uh, David Lowry, the director. 
who I think he made it either right before or right after doing Pete's Dragon for Disney. So obviously like doing a Disney movie, you're handed like a huge budget and huge responsibility. And I'm sure a lot of pressure to adhere to source material. And then I, he really wanted to kind of go back to his roots of doing something small and grassroots and independent. And that was also at the same time that he and his wife were moving out of their first home together. And so I think this movie kind of came about as a way of um, kind of coping with the idea of like moving out of the place that you called home for the first time that was like totally yours. Um, but yeah, it's a super sweet movie and I really want to know what you think about it. And <laughs> I'm glad that that you watched it, what, four hours ago? <laughs> Yeah, I watched it four hours ago. Um, I, well, first and foremost, I will say Rooney Mara. Love to see it. I'd love to see more Rooney Mara content. She seems very uh, very selective about her projects, probably for good reason. Um, but I might have to I might have to do an IMDb deep dive and uh, go watch some other Rooney Mara content. But also, speaking of the leads, um, before we get too far into this, we should probably... Just acknowledge the fact that um, while Casey Affleck is lovely in this film, he does um, have a kind of a problematic history of sexual harassment obligation or allegations, excuse me, not obligations, allegations. <laughs> um, so, yes, we love a ghost story. We do not like Casey Affleck being mean to women on the set of his movies. But anyways, I think we can like evaluate this film regardless. Um he also so, doesn't yeah, have really a lot of this. lines in the movie, so he, does he doesn't speak much, and you technically don't see his face all that often because he is underneath a sheet the entire time. That's true. So if you like have a if you have a Casey Affleck block in your brain, rightfully so, fair enough. But yeah, this is like probably a movie you could get through anyways. I don't know, but like, don't feel like you have to. That's your call. Um, but yeah, no, I really liked this film. I thought it was. Um, <clears throat> One, it's it's only like an hour and a half long. It's really tight in its storytelling, um, which I have appreciated more and more ever since I sat through The Irishman. And I think it's uh it's very touching. I it it like you said, it really captures like this one moment in this couple's life really interestingly. And I think it makes you think a lot about death and what happens to you after you die. Not to like be too dark about it. But also it is, it is like comical at times. Like it is, I, I did want to talk to you about this. Like the, obviously the choice to have him like wear a sheet and look like the childish cartoony version of a ghost is very intentional and it does provide some like comedic relief. Like why else do you think that they would have made that decision to have him wear that? I mean, I, I think first and foremost, it is such a like down and dirty truly independent movie like I don't even know how much they made this movie for but I can only imagine oh a hundred thousand dollars yeah literally literally a hundred thousand dollars which is unheard of yeah um I know that I know that the house they filmed it in was set to be demolished like a week later so they basically like convinced the demolition crew to like hold off for a few days they could film in it for free um that's crazy but yeah so I think first and foremost it's just kind of the whole lo-fi vibe of the film um and also, I think it adds kind of a sense of, of whimsy because it does deal with a lot of really heavy themes like death and what comes after and how you find yourself attached and emo- emotionally attached to a physical place um, more so than you would almost a physical person. Um, so 
I think it was just a good way to kind of make it a little more digestible. Yeah, no, I agree. It definitely was like, this is a movie that is very heavy, but at points you like can't help but laugh because it's like so ridiculous to watch him like walk around in this literal, literal sheet. Um, It's very funny. Are we convinced it was really him under there the whole time? I don't know. See, I, I feel like I've done so much background reading on this movie in the time since I first saw it that I, I am quite convinced that yes that is Casey under there the whole time but yeah we could this could be like a whole nother like inside joke of the movie is that it's definitely some like stuntman underneath there the whole time because once he could have phoned it in that's all I'm saying yeah because when, once Casey's character becomes a ghost which I think is a solid 15 minutes into the film so it's not ruining anything um he has no lines so literally no lines and also like you can't you very intentionally can't see the character's eyes which i thought was interesting because obviously like i'm just saying i'm just saying i like on paper i believe it was casey affleck but like gun to my head maybe not that's all i'm saying (laughs) i no, i did i thought this movie was uh very very sweet i did kind of um Hmm, I'm trying to decide whether this is, like, a spoiler or not. Did you feel like it was, um... It To me, it felt like an odd choice to, like, have him go so far back in time to then trace. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, but... So, basically... Go ahead. Explain it. Should we explain this? Yeah, okay. So, essentially, like, he he, as a ghost, is attached to this house. Rooney Mara's character... I don't even know do we even know her name I don't I don't, I don't think, think we so. ever learn either of their characters names yeah so she leaves the house obviously because like if your spouse passed away you would probably want to leave too so he like he is attached to the house through a few more owners or renters whatever they are and then the house gets demolished and then through some like different twists and turns he ends up getting kind of, like, transported back in time to, like, the pioneer days in the exact same spot. And it kind of traces, the film traces how he, as a ghost, stays with this one piece of land until Rooney Mara's character moves back into the home eventually, like, hundreds of years later. I I guess what I'm saying is, like, I felt like I knew where this was going, and then and then he went so far back in time, and I was kind of like, what are we doing in the in the frontier? I don't know. Like, it just... But I, I like, got it. Like, no, it pulled I, it together at the end. No, but no, I just I, felt like it was a weird I, choice. I agree. I remember when I saw the film, it, it kind of takes a turn because it spends so much of the film being in the present with him and with Rooney Mara's character and how, like, Rooney Mara's character, because she's still alive in the film, is, like, digesting the fact that he is now gone but she still feels him there because he is there as a ghost. Um, and then all of a sudden it takes you out of that and it makes it more than what the two of them were. But but I think that's where the movie gets really like introspective in a good way because, I don't know, once it hits that sequence where he's going back in time to whatever was whatever happened where the house, on the land that the house sits on before and after when the two of them as a couple inhabit the house, I think that really gets to the point of the film, which is... Not to get, like, saturn and, like, sentimental about it, but, you know, kind of, like, how small we are in the grand scheme of things and 
you know, how we fall into the greater plans of the universe. I think I think it, it touches on all of these themes that I can only imagine are floating through so many people's heads these days um, in such like a sweet and like tender, but also like lighthearted way. Um, I don't know. I think it's a very good, I don't know. I, I think it just, it, it touches on all of these themes so sweetly. <laughs> I think it's a very like, it's a sweet film. It's not, it's, I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed it. And I think it's due for another rewatch on my part too. No, I agree. I think, yeah, no, I'm not saying I, I like disagreed with that choice. I just thought it was like a little weird to have it come like 15 minutes before the end of the film or whatever it is. But I I, like get it. I understand the intention. I just don't, I, I, yeah, I think it is, like you said, it's a very sweet film. It like touches on all these themes in a way that feels very like I think it lets you draw your own conclusions about them and, like, have your own feelings. It doesn't, like, force anything down your throat, which I really, I really appreciate. And, it, you know, you, when you recommended this movie, I asked if it was scary, and you were like, no, like, if anything, you're gonna cry. And I, I, like, didn't, but I also, I did think a lot about, like, I don't know, like, what does it mean to even, like, be a person on this earth and, like, what happens to us when we're gone and what does it matter and... Oh God! What, is, what does place even mean? <laughs> I know, I know. It is a time of existential questions right now, and we are we are asking all the questions. Why did we pick these yeah, movies? No. God. Yeah, we have like we have okay. So whatever service we decide to do next, even though we both like unconsciously chose both these films without like realizing the through line and the theme, like maybe we maybe we go lighter. But no, I th- I think both of these movies, given the given the current climate, are both very... No, that's what movies are here for. It's to make you, I don't know, consider perspectives and viewpoints that you otherwise wouldn't. And I think both of these do a great a great service to that, to that goal. Yeah, and also, like, help you process what's going on around you, right? I think that's, like, another great thing that both these movies are, uh, are, are helpful with in, in thinking about in whatever's happening right now which whenever we post this pod the world may be a completely different place with the way things are going so who knows we'll see we'll see um okay so yeah we'll see all right so we have to talk about the sexy stuff i'm trying to think what is the sexiest part of a ghost story (laughs) okay i will say mm, this is gross i'm gonna regret saying this and no one cancel me on twitter for saying this okay that's the pact. But, like, Casey Affleck is surprisingly ripped in this film for being shirtless in one scene. I don't know. It really threw me. I was very surprised. Okay, you, you, are, you are welcome and entitled to your opinion, and maybe it's just been a while since Thank I you. actually saw this film that I can't immediately recall shirtless Casey Affleck in my head. Um... But, yeah, so my personal sexiest bit of this movie, um, I do remember there's this one montage because this song ended up being, like, when did this movie come out? 20s? 18? 17? No, 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 17. Um, like, like that was so much longer ago. Um, (laughs) but, no, I specifically remember this montage uh, so Casey Affleck's character is, plays a musician um, when he is living 
and he is recording one of his songs while Rooney is in the room and it's kind of a montage of him recording a song and then making love and having arguments and everything that happens in between in their relationship um and the song is by this indie band called Dark Rooms and the song is called I Get Overwhelmed and when you hear it in the movie and it's also in the trailer I think it's a very like it's a very like indie death cab for cutie-esque like the hurtful like heartfelt song but it was also like one of my number one played songs of 2017 because my emo ass oh my God. played it over and over again after I saw this movie. Um, but that scene, you were like a college girl, like I'm going through it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> oh, no, my boyfriend graduated. Um, no, but I, I think the the montage that that song plays out in the movie is maybe not sexy, but I, I think it just encapsulates a relationship and like a new marriage and everything in such a good way um that that really stuck with me and so because it stuck with me that's what makes it sexy oh i love that yeah um this pod was in no way an endorsement of casey affleck however we did enjoy a ghost story (laughs) both ghost stories and atlantics a ghost story and atlantics yes yes we we this was a ghost story pod unintentionally so but um you know you got nothing else to do so stream some stuff all right guys thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the last picture hose we're going to be back soon with more streaming content for you because the world is a rough place and we need to escape with some movies and stuff um i'm emma Beatty. you can find me on social media at emma Beatty. and i'm lily stuplin and you can find me on social media at stooks not doing much else so hit me up on there not doing much else exactly um and you can find the last picture hose on instagram at the last picture hose and also you can follow our podcast if you're into it leave a comment on itunes whatever you want you know we want to hear from you all right thanks guys bye